The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show is coming to you on Tuesday, April 21st, just two days before the 2020 NFL Draft kicks off. Lots of uh, rumors, speculation going on about what the Giants will do with their fourth overall pick. The big rumor of of the day on Monday was that the Giants were uh, were FaceTiming with Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert, doing a lot of research on on Herbert. That came from uh, Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofalo, both NFL insiders. Don't really know how much stock to put in that. I'm sure that the Giants have, have... looked at Herbert, studied Herbert. You know, you study every player, whether you're interested in a quarterback or not. What we know is that the Giants drafted a quarterback a year ago in Daniel Jones, sixth overall. It doesn't seem to make sense for them to uh, to draft a quarterback again and then have to uh, have to try to move Daniel Jones. There's, there's no way they would get value equal to the sixth overall pick in return for Jones. So that just doesn't make sense. What makes sense is to is to build around Jones, to develop Jones, to give him an opportunity to see if he can be the player that they hope he will be. So I, I think really what we're what we're seeing there with with the Herbert chatter is a likely smokescreen coming from the Giants perhaps trying to entice a quarterback needy team to come up to number four to get Herbert or maybe to get to a Tagovailoa of Alabama to see what the, uh, you know, and, and see if the Giants can can add an extra pick or two, you know, somewhere on day two of the draft, maybe, you know, maybe even day three. But but I don't I don't put a lot of stock in, in this idea that the Giants would draft Justin Herbert and then try to trade Daniel Jones. Of course, uh, you know you never say never. You never put uh, you, you never completely rule anything out. But for the Giants to do that 
would for me be a real shock and uh I, I I just don't see that happening. I think this is more smokescreen by the Giants trying to entice someone to come up and get that fourth overall pick, give the Giants a chance to move down a couple spots, add some picks in the uh in the draft, which uh you know, which we know Dave Gettleman has never done. We know he's said multiple times he would be willing to do that this year. And I think the Giants will, you know, will strongly try to do that. The question is going to be if anyone actually wants to come up and get that fourth overall pick. Right now there's there's a lot of uh a lot of speculation that maybe no one really wants to uh wants to be a dance partner for the Giants and come up and get that fourth overall pick. So the Giants might you know whether they want to uh, to pick at four or not, they might have to stay there and take the player that they want the most in this draft. Giants fans, one of the things that I want to do today is I'm going to bring in Brent Taylor of SB Nation's Roll Bama Roll. I did an interview with with Brent recently about all of the the various Alabama prospects that the Giants might be interested in. So let's uh, let's do this. Let's uh, let's play that interview for you now. Giants fans, if you've been following the draft coverage at Big Blue View, you know that there's a lot of talk lately about uh, prospects from Alabama. Uh, Giants coach Joe Judge obviously worked for Nick Saban for three years as uh, assistant special teams coach, I believe it was 2009 to 2011. Been a lot of talk from Judge and from GM Dave Gettleman about in this uncertain atmosphere without being able to run pro days and and 30-man visits and all of that, having to rely on contacts that you've made through through the college ranks. And, of course, the Giants have you know close connections to Alabama thanks to uh, Joe Judge and also running backs coach Burton Burns who was at Alabama I believe from 2007 until Judge hired him to be running backs coach just this past off season so here to talk about uh, some of those Alabama prospects and a little bit maybe about the Giants connection to Alabama is Brent Taylor of SB Nation's Alabama website. That's Roll Bama Roll. Brent, thank you very, very much for spending some time with me. Hey, Ed. Thanks for having me on. It's it's that time of year where I end up just kind of bouncing around a whole bunch of you NFL guys' podcasts and, you know, running my mouth a little. Well, you know, it's 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 really sad that there are never any NFL prospects coming out of Alabama. I know. It, it, you just don't see them very often, so I, I get real excited over the few that do go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it, it, it it's rough to root for Alabama. You know, you guys never have a good team. You never send anybody to the NFL. You know, you got a lousy head coach. You know, no, nobody cares. So, you know, I, I feel for you. <laughs> All right, so let's... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of the the Alabama prospects. And the one that's on everybody's mind right now in terms of the New York Giants is offensive tackle Jedrick Wills. Obviously, Dave Gettleman has been uh, – he hasn't been shy lately in talking about the fact that the Giants really need 
to upgrade the offensive line. That's something he's been talking about for two years now. Ever since he became general manager, it's still a work in progress, still not to the point where the Giants would like it to be. I think it's pretty apparent that that the Giants are are most likely going to take an offensive tackle at number four in, in the draft. So I guess what I what I want to ask you, Brent, is this. I don't know if you've studied the the other three guys. That would be Mackay Becton, um, Tristan Wirfs of Iowa, and Andrew Thomas of Georgia. But tell me why you think the Giants would be right if they were to to, uh, to decide to, to draft Jedrick Wills? So uh, I think for the other guys, you, you couldn't go wrong with Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. He's, I mean, he's absolutely elite. Tristan Wirfs, one of those guys that, to me, I'm like, okay, a few months ago, he, he's probably into the first round kind of prospect somewhere in there, and then he has a great combine. And all of a sudden that, you know, just vaults him way up the board and all the everybody's minds. But, it, you know, when you have that kind of meteoric rise just over a combine, do you really trust that? And I, I don't know if I do or not. Of course, maybe I'm just Southeast SEC biased. Uh, Becton's same situation, plus he just had the uh, drug suspension or what, whatever it was come out today. I haven't really followed the headlines. So that, that, that's kind of my quick rundown on the other three. But Jedrick Wills has been an awesome tackle for Alabama the last couple of years. I remember uh, I was telling you before we started this that I started at Roll Bama Roll just covering high school recruiting. That was kind of uh, the one thing I did. And I remember when Wills was you know, coming out of high school, he's a four-star, right-at-five-star recruit, and I remember watching him and just saying, wow, this is an offensive lineman that is fun to watch. Like, wherever he's at, there's chaos. There's guys flying around, guys on the ground. He's rolling over people. And it, so I got real excited about him. And since then, he's really rounded out his game. He's brought in a lot, a lot of good footwork and hand technique with that uh, to go along with that just strength and athleticism. So – Top 10 pick, absolutely. Uh, the Giants are fourth. You say they're fourth overall? Right. Okay, yeah. You know, the fourth is steep. That, that's a steep pick. Um, what do I think he's worth it? Yeah. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised to say, hey, maybe you could trade back to eight or nine and still pick him up because some team's going to fall in love with Worfs. Some team's gonna, probably going to fall in love with Thomas, too. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So Wills was a uh, was a two year starter at Alabama, correct? Right. So his freshman year, he kind of rotated in as a backup here and there. It was always you know first guy off the bench, and then the last two years he's been a starter. So the the big question everybody talks about with Wills, he's played you know exclusively right tackle. I guess he was also right tackle as a high school player. Everybody looks at still, even in this day and age, although I might disagree over the importance of of left tackle versus right tackle, because the way that teams move pass rushers around, 
they look for matchups, so I'm not sure it matters anymore. And yet people still obsess about, well, he's a right tackle. He's not a left tackle. Can he play left tackle? Can he do those things? So I guess my question for you is, why is is Jedrick Wills a right tackle, not a left tackle? So it is funny. Uh, Nick Saban actually had an interview on this yesterday, I think. So you, you could go look it up. But what basically what he said is, look, Alabama's offense has been flip-flopped the last two years because uh, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa is a lefty. So, And it just happened to be one of those things that Wills had been playing right tackle as a backup freshman. And when they were getting ready to move him as to a starter, one, he's already comfortable just using his right hand instead of his left hand. And this way he gets to be the blindside blocker of Tua. But uh, back to a more overall philosophical thing, it, it really depends on your offense. So some teams still really use more of your strong and weak side kind of designations and tend to design offenses based on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in college and definitely in high school, you see more, uh, more, more just the wide open spread kind of stuff that you know, it doesn't matter. It really just depends on if you like putting your left foot or your right foot forward more. Uh, and that again, that's how Alabama's offense was. It was very much a spread out kind of thing. And I, I don't know the Giants offense, so that might be different for you guys. Yeah, it's I mean the 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 first difference obviously is right handed quarterback versus left handed quarterback. The the question would be you know, everybody says, well, we think Jedrick Wills can play left tackle if we need him to. We think he's got good enough feet. We think he's a good enough athlete and all of that. But there's there's no on-film evidence that that he can do that. So the question is in your mind, you know, in your mind if the Giants at some point in the future wanted to move him to the left side, can he do that? Yeah, I mean, I I don't see why it would be a problem unless he's just really off balance for some reason but and athletically if we're assuming the best pass rushers or the fastest pass rushers are on the left side then yeah he can keep up with them he's got some of the best kind of dropping footwork i've seen out of any alabama lineman at least in a while yeah that would be high praise considering how many players come uh, come through alabama yeah we alabama's kind of focused on a lot of your your big forward attacking road grader kind of lineman for quite a while. And then up until the last two, really two years, uh, they've changed to more of the uh, more agile and passing based offense. Yeah, that would be, you know, it, it it is much more of a, you know, it's everything offensively is, is pass oriented so i you know it seems like the the pass protection ability is more important you know in in terms of scouting and 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 bringing these guys in than than run blocking is and 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 i certainly don't see any any issues with wills in pass protection no i don't either uh the the only thing i'd say so like with wills if if he's out in open field trying to block for some screens, he's terrifying to watch. I mean, you watch defensive backs just getting ragdolled all <laughs> over the place. And then there's some there's some really fun highlights. Like, he's an offensive lineman with highlight reel. 
But pass blocking, yeah, his footwork is great, and watching his hand, his hand usage is also, you know, he's kind of like boxing all the time, and he's really good at waiting until the last second to finally bring his hands up and engage, and that that helps. That that little delay kind of keeps a defensive lineman from being able to counter. So he's always between them. But on on the flip side, the one thing I will say and. You know, for a guy that's a top 10 pick, negatives are hard to, you're nitpicking. But Wills, you do notice sometimes, I don't know if it's just a concentration time or uh, whatever you call that, ADD. Uh, but, but sometimes he will, it's like he forgets that the snap is about to snap and then he's a second late. Or the I think the one sack he gave up in his two years as a starter was just missing kind of a stunt crosser yeah okay so i mean you know that that i i would say that's probably going to happen sometimes hey i want to ask you let's uh let's move on you know from wills to some of the other prospects who who might be in play for the giants uh you know there's actually a lot of guys who who might fit in the second round discussion for the giants but before i actually get to that Talk about uh, the wide receiver position. It's unlikely that the Giants would be taking a, you know one of the Alabama wide receivers in the first round of this draft. But what I want to ask you is between Jerry Judy and, and and Henry Ruggs, in your mind, at the end of the day, you know when we look back on it a few years from now. Which one of those guys is going to wind up having the better NFL career? Give me Jerry Judy. That that kind of route running, it, you, you can't teach it. Um, Judy is just so explosive in short area and getting open. And as offenses transition more and more to the timing-based kind of stuff, as opposed to what the NFL is kind of coming from and more of a play-action deep shot, that Eric Coriel stuff that teams like Seattle are stuck in still. Uh, as the NFL goes more towards quick timing stuff, more like, you know, how the Patriots are running things. That, that's what Judy fits in. Mm-hmm. So you, you get him the ball short, he's going to make a couple guys miss. You you can't cover him in those out of the slot. He can play slot, sides, any sort of short routes. And then he's got the speed to burn someone deep too. So, uh, absolutely, give me Judy. Ruggs is a deep threat kind of guy, and he's very physical and high point catcher, but he's he's nowhere near as well rounded. But you do you do you understand what seems to be the the NFL's fascination at this point with Ruggs, though? Oh, I get it. He's very talented, and hey, you can't argue with a four two seven forty. So with Ruggs, what you're looking at is a guy that can he can get downfield and he can jump over people and kind of make these leaping one-handed stuff. And he's tough to tackle too. He's I think only under 90 pounds, but thinks he's a lot heavier and is happy to just run through people. So as I said, I also wanted to get to some of the guys who might be available on day two for the Giants. The Giants have the 36th overall pick, second round. That's the fourth pick of the second round. And I don't know 
obviously there's no way to predict who's going to come off the board. The the NFL draft is a strange thing and everybody has their ideas of 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 who you know who has what value and who should go where. But there are three Alabama players who if they happen to be on the board at 36 would actually fit in positions where the Giants could use help. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw I'm going to throw all three players at you. As I said, you know, they they may or may not be available. And and, and just I'll let you tell me you know about all three of these guys. We're talking about uh Trevon Diggs at corner, we're talking about Xavier McKinney at safety. And we're talking about uh, Terrell Lewis out on the edge. Okay. Uh, I'll start with Xavier McKinney. He's another guy that, as a high school recruit, I really was excited about him. And over his three years at Alabama, he's become a very, very well-rounded player. And he's a safety that I think he ran a 4-6-3 at the combine, but his last 10 yards was on a hamstring pull. So I wouldn't expect him to be like sub four five or anything, but you know, probably a little faster than the four six three. He's got good speed. He's a guy that can play. I mean, if you want him center safety, or if the Giants play too deep, I don't know what your defensive scheme is there. Well, we but don't know it, what it's. We don't know exactly what it's going to be either, since we have okay. a, a brand new defensive coordinator coming in in Patrick Graham. So. We're we're not a hundred percent sure what we're going to be looking at, so uh, we'll we'll all we'll all be learning together. Okay. Well, at, at Alabama, they typically cross train every secondary player in a lot of positions, and it's a very multiple secondary. So McKinney's a guy that can he can play single high, he can play box safety, he can play two deep. Uh, He'll, he'll move up to slot corner a good bit. And for Alabama's dime packages, he actually normally moved to linebacker. So he's a versatile guy. Uh, he led the team in tackles, and a lot of that was cleaning up. So Al- Alabama had two true freshman middle linebackers this year, and it led to a lot of broken coverages kind of up through the middle. And McKinney was always the guy that cleaned it up. So he's a very, very consistent, very solid tackler. You don't he doesn't really miss tackles. And coverage, he's very good, but not, I wouldn't say he's an elite coverage guy. Ball skills, adequate, but good speed, great instincts, great tackler. So he's probably more suited to end up more as a strong safety than a free safety if the Giants end up running that kind of designation. I don't know. How, how does that sound? Well, yeah, it's interesting because the Giants have Jabril Peppers, who probably fits as what you would consider to be you know, your your strong safety, your guy that you would want to drop down into the box. They would probably be looking more, you know, for a compliment to him. You know, more of the free safety type. So, so okay. you know, so I'm not, you know, so. It, you know, if McKinney can play that, I mean, last year with with James Betcher as defensive coordinator, the Giants played a lot of single high, but but again, we have no idea if that's what they're going to do this time around. Okay, I got you. I, I personally would say McKinney could be a solid free safety, and you know, especially rotating back there and could 
if the team needs to alternate positions based on plays or something like that. But if he if he's not up in the box a good bit, it would it would be wasting some of his best attributes, I would say. All right. So tell us a little bit. Uh, go to uh, Trevon Diggs next for me. Okay, Diggs is an interesting guy. So he he's the younger brother of Stephon Diggs, the All Pro receiver for Minnesota. Uh, wait, did he just get traded though? No, he's to, still uh, in Minnesota, right? Uh, Buffalo, I believe. Buffalo, that's right. I, I knew he moved on. Uh, anyway, so he, he's the younger brother, and he came to Alabama as a receiver too. And as a true freshman, he ended up winning the starting job as a punt returner, which for Nick Saban, the punt return, like to get that job, you have to be someone that's trustworthy with decision-making because Nick Saban really does not like a turnover. So any of those punt returners have always got to be top-notch decision-makers. And the fact that he got that as a freshman got, got a lot of our fans really excited about him. And then over the offseason after his freshman year, he swapped to cornerback like a month before the season started and won the starting job. He ended up getting benched about three plays later. But, <laughs> it, it, you know, it was a guy that swapped positions in a month, won the starting job for one of the best college teams in the nation. And then the year after that, he got to start again and was on his way. He was doing awesome was on his way to an all-pro, or not all-pro, that's NFL, but all-American type of play, and broke his leg. So you're like, okay, great. So then this year he comes back, he plays the full season, uh, and probably the first half of the season, he was elite. I mean, he was playing really, really well. And then the last half of the season, he kind of faltered a little bit. He started giving up some deep shots. And had a few very critical missed tackles for first downs in very critical games. That you know, it got publicized a lot. So the the interesting part of Diggs, he's six two, about two hundred pounds. He's a tall, lengthy guy. He's got good speed and pre- pretty good agility too. So you you can watch him. He's not just a cover three type of guy that's just going to press and bail, but. I mean, it's what he's best at, but he, he's pretty good short area, too. Um, he's still got those receiver ball skills, so he, he's got some pretty impressive interceptions and pass breakups where he's just laying out one-hands it deep down the field. On the other hand, uh, you'll see these... Just, he just kind of gets turned around on deep balls sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, and you'll see him, he's... He's in perfect coverage right there at the receiver and then like maybe jumps and spins the opposite direction. You're like, what what are you what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you were right there. You were doing so well. Uh, and then the the other one is the tackling, which is definitely an issue. Uh, he's always kind of going going up kind of high, like he's gonna bear hug the shoulder pads and then fall down. And a lot of times that ends up with him kind of helicoptering around him. So th- those are two uh, areas. I think the first one is more of a still learning how to actually play defense. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, he was a receiver for a long time. 
and I think that's one that can be fixed. The tackling, maybe, maybe not. That that would scare me as an NFL GM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always think you know, when it comes to tackling, I always am of the belief that if you're a good tackler coming into the NFL, you'll be a good tackler in the NFL. If you're not a good tackler coming into the league, that's not going to change for the simple reason that in the NFL, it's not something you get to practice. Right, yeah. Yeah, I guess with the all the off-season restrictions and stuff, you're right. Right, there's so many practices in shorts and there's so many restrictions on on how much hitting can be done. I you know, college practices are are a lot more physical in nature and just in terms of the things that you can do. So I always feel like like if you can't tackle at the college level, that's just not that's just not getting better at the NFL level. Right. And I'm sure there are a few exceptions, but yeah, you're you're most likely right. So Brent, the other one to talk about, you know, the, the Giants are in a situation where they really need pass rush help. They, there were a lot of Giants fans who felt like like they should go out and, and sign Jadavion Clowney in free agency, or there are still Giants fans who feel like they should go out and uh, and make a trade, give up some draft picks for Yannick Ngakwe of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think the Giants are going to do either one of those things. I think they'll probably draft pass rush help on day two or day three. And the guy from Alabama who sort of fits into, or who could fit into that picture is is Terrell Lewis on the edge. So just let me ask you about Lewis. I know that, that one of the big concerns with him is, is his uh, inability at times to stay healthy. Uh, it's a major concern. Um, so Lewis, I, I like to think he's one of those guys that human beings aren't really supposed to be built that way. Six six, probably what two fifty five, and is just incredibly explosive. Uh, I mean, it's almost unnatural to watch. And you know, if you ever see pictures of him, he's just jacked. But then you, you kind of start thinking, like, man, you can build your muscles up and build them and train them, but, like, the human joint can only withstand so much. So I, I wonder sometimes if that kind of thing is, has been Lewis's problem. Um, so he was, as a freshman, he kind of got in, back played kind of a reserve role, did okay here and there just as a backup pass rusher. Uh, then he ended up winning the starting job over that off season. Came into the came into the sophomore season and ended up tearing his bicep in like the first quarter and missed the entire season. Up until the national championship game, where he finally is healthy, comes in and makes a overtime sack that let Alabama win the game. So obviously, we're all excited about this guy. Like, okay. He's gone this long, and as soon as you put him in the game, he went basically wins a championship. Um, so then, 2018 rolls around, and he tears an ACL before the season starts. So we don't see him the whole year. Get to 2019, and he, he's kind of still recovering. 
and the coaches put him on a snap count for probably the first five or six games of the season. So he'd play some, and they'd bench him for a while. Uh, but he played very well during that time. Uh, when, when he was in there, you'd see him. He's just so explosive off the ball. So he's not the most consistent pass rusher, but he's one of those guys that, like, when he sacks a quarterback, he's sacking a quarterback. Like, the quarterback be standing there, and then he's on the ground, and everyone on TV is like, what just happened? Because he was blocked, and then he wasn't blocked, and the quarterback was flattened. So it's a lot of fun to watch that way, but he does disappear for long stretches of time. And as the season went on, the coaches pulled him off of that snap count. Uh, he started playing more full-time, and I think kind of his visibility started to decrease even more with those extra snaps. So that, that would be concerning for me as – you know, if I'm making those picks, I'd see him as maybe, you know, maybe he's just unrealized talent that was derailed by injury so much that he never could quite get into a groove. Or on the flip side, maybe you can view him as, hey, this is a guy that can be an explosive situational rusher, but I'm not sure I'd view him as a full-time starter. All right, Brent. So there's one other person I have to ask you about here before I let you go, and it's not a player. I'm really interested in one of the uh, the assistant coaches that the Giants hired. I think I mentioned him a little bit earlier in the show. I'm talking about run, Giants running backs coach Burton Burns, and and I'm really interested. He seems like an interesting guy. Was on the Alabama coaching staff, I think, from 2007 to 2017. Then he stepped away from coaching into, I think, what was more of an administrative role. And now, you know, Joe Judge has has reached out and brought him back into coaching. First time, I believe, he's ever coached in the NFL. I think he's 67, 68 years old, if I'm not mistaken, just seems like a really interesting guy and and I'm curious what you think of the Giants bringing him to their coaching staff and, and what you can tell me about him and Burns has been one of my favorite positional coaches for a very long time uh, the cool thing about him and for a few years there he was Clemson's running back coach and if you think way back like 2007 2008 time frame, Clemson had these two guys, C.J. Spiller and Davis. I don't remember Davis's first name, but definitely remember C.J. Spiller. And, the, you know, Clemson wasn't too much back then. Clemson was just kind of a team. Uh, and Burton Burns trained up both of these running backs, and became they became just this awesome duo. Spiller became a first-round pick. And Alabama, Nick Saban ended up hiring him away when Saban came to Alabama. And the tide went from this fairly anemic rushing attack, and basically from 2002 to 2007, it was just bad. Uh, Burton Burns comes in, and 2008, the running backs that were bad in 2007, immediate uh, Glenn Coffey had a 1,300-yard 13, season. And that kind of kicked off the next year. It was Mark Ingram winning a Heisman. Then it was Mark Ingram again, then Trent Richardson, 
Eddie Lacy, TJ Yeldon, Derek Henry. And, you know, the names just kept racking up more and more names. So basically the entire time Burton Burns was running back coach at Alabama, Alabama had a superstar running back, at least one, sometimes two. Um, and the e- even more underrated part of that were none of them had fumble issues. Like you, you just never saw fumbles. Uh, when he finally moved on to the off-field role, it, basically he was like, look, I'm old and I don't want to recruit anymore. Well, it was kind of what that whole deal was, but he still wanted to be involved with the team. So he moved into this, it's like a personnel development or player development or something. And basically he was being a consultant coach and helping Nick Saban out with a lot of the admin kind of work. After that, Alabama's rushing attack has still been good, but it's looked a lot different. It's looked noticeably different and probably less explosive overall. Interesting. Like I said, I do find it, I find it to be, you know, it's curious to me, I guess, that, that he had moved away from coaching and will, you know, and has come back to an on field role in the NFL where he's never coached before. I mean, I get the, I get the impression that, uh, that coaching is something he didn't feel like he was done with, but maybe it was the, it was the recruiting, it was the traveling. It was all of, I, all of I think those other it was things. recruiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it was recruiting. And when an opportunity came to go to the NFL and continue to be able to coach and not recruit, kind, kind of spoke to him. Interesting. So, Brent, we will see. We're a couple days away from the from the NFL draft. We'll see if any of these uh, if any of these guys actually wind up with the Giants. It seems more and more. We're hearing about uh, Jedrick Wills being connected to the Giants with their first pick. And uh, if any of these guys do wind up in New York, maybe we'll reach out and talk to you again. Sure thing. I'm always, uh, right after the draft, I'm always kind of reaching out to every NFL blog that drafted an Alabama player. So I'll be around. All right. Thank you very much for the time. Okay. Thank you. All right. Our thanks to Brent. Taylor of SB Nation's Roll Bama Roll for uh, dropping some knowledge on us about uh, Jedrick Wills and some of the other Alabama prospects who might be of interest to the Giants when the draft begins on Thursday night. Giants fans, please check out all of our draft-related coverage at Big Blue View. We've got roughly 100 prospect profiles for you. We've got position rankings. We will have a big board posted for you. Lots of uh, lots of, of mock draft kind of content. Our mock draft tracker. All kinds of all kinds of things. Obviously, the Chris and Joe show has been doing you know podcasts regarding the draft. There's several Valentine's views. Pro- podcasts with uh with interviews of draft you know from draft analysts a couple of draft prospects please check out all of that please remember to subscribe to big blue view radio on all of your favorite podcast applications thank you very much and we'll talk to you soon bye-bye